Welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. Today we have another jiu-jitsu couple. Anton loves to get these on. So we are looking forward to getting to know a little bit more. Our friends uh, Black Belt Hoshi and uh, head of King's MMA and his lovely wife and partner, Amy Frederick. We've also had their father and father-in-law, Stefan, on in the past. So we're really keeping it in the family. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, Hoshi and Amy. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm fascinated to know, like, all three of you have had, like, MMA fights, I think. Amy, I I remember, like, when I first met you, you you were, like, you were fighting, you know, as far as I recall, or at least training. So, like, all three of you had fights. Like, what is it like to be in a fight family that's, like, I I don't think we've ever had multi-generational and inter-partnership-y type MMA action. So (laughs) tell us a bit about that. Inter-partnership-y. Well, I think probably the first thing is, as parents, we're terrified because now it means that they're going to do it. Um, Like, I mean, if the thing continues, you know. So, um, no, it's all jokes aside, it's it's actually um, quite lovely because there's kind of a bond that you get when you share the mats day in and day out with your family, um, which is really, really lovely. So one thing that some people don't know about my background and, and history in MMA is that when I started, I was like, 15 um my dad decided to jump in as well and that's when he started so it wasn't that he fought professionally before i did and i came up knowing about mma and that sort of thing Um, he actually started at the same time and so his thing was just you know i'm just going to send it and fight anyway so he had his first professional fight like 40 so he was just it was incredible to be around and have that kind of energy but the fact that we did it together and kind of came up together was was really special and then actually he introduced Amy and I in a gym because um, Amy was already doing judo and jiu-jitsu and that sort of stuff um, before we ever met. And so we we met on the mats as well. There you go. Wow. I love wow, jiu-jitsu. That's couples. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And um, Hoshi, you oh, wait, wait, wait. I want, on, just sorry, wait, go on. Give, give, I want to hear yeah. Amy's part first. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah. I was just saying Hoshi's dad was the per- first person to ever punch me in the face. <laughs> and I was like, sure, how bad could it be? And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> a good introduction to the family. Welcome. I wanted to ask you, Amy, about, I mean, Hoshi touched on the fact that you guys have a child together now. And I wanted to ask you about how that has been. We've had some other guests on who've also had babies. How's that been for you, like, during pregnancy, afterwards? Because, yeah, I mean, you're back out there, like, killing it. You're you're competing. You're, you're travelling internationally. Like, how has that been, having a baby? It's been amazing. Like, I think for me, like, I started, like, fighting sort of semi-professionally in, like, 2015, and I already had my son when I was kind of my whole journey through martial arts has been like postpartum. So I think it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm used to like, um, but for sure, I think that every person's like postpartum journey is, is really different. And so for us, like Hoshi basically sort of helped me uh, come back into competing again. So we worked with like physios, strengths coaches, Hoshi helped me with like manage my weight and get back into the right weight class. And so that there's all these different challenges that come with it, but it's having kids, like obviously we're so biased, is just the best because everything that you do, whenever you win, it just feels like so much richer sharing mm-hmm. it with you. So yeah, it's been amazing and we're very lucky. 
non-negotiables. They've been our things that we've really like stayed with, like raising him. But competition has never been a thing that I've like pushed him towards. Um, and the reason for that is I think that, it, and I'm going to include jiu-jitsu in this because I've seen jiu-jitsu and, and MMA be really either positive for uh, like teenagers and um and kids and be really negative for them and I think there's a few things that make it either a really great experience or not so great and I think one thing about competition is like um when you even if you're doing jiu-jitsu like someone will really you know come up to you and shake you and try and throw you like through the floor mm-hmm. and so you really have to make sure when you're training and this includes even teenagers and kids that like they're so used to training their their body's condition, they're doing it at the right time, that that's a challenge that's exciting that they are really empowered and want to do. Um, And actually the competition should be easier, like competition should be easier than the training. So you need to look at their skills, assess it. And then so Zach, when he's competed, has had an amazing time, has gotten really amazing results. Our team that's competing is doing really well and they're getting amazing results. And that's because they're really adequately prepared and we don't, Sort of push in the beginning we did we love it so we mm. kind of wanted everyone to do it and now we're more like the people that are really called to do it will train and we'll have a positive experience so i think with your son it's like if, if he's the one driving it and he's really excited and has a coach that's going to prepare him thoroughly it makes it so much more safe it makes it really enjoyable and then they become really resilient confident kids and that's what i've seen from like lo- looking at so many um up-and-coming teenagers and like I look to like say even Cooper um <laughs> an example of he had great coaching really adequate preparation and now he's gone on to do amazing things and you know yeah. inspiring other like young people so for me whether it's MMA or jiu-jitsu it's about yeah. thorough preparation having a good coach and really going into that with the right mindset and I think like what Hoshi said is like it, it's not really that it's not always that light-hearted competition training can be but competing really so, oh no, we just lost I've you guys. got a bit of technical issues here. I think we've got you back. Very, yeah, we lost that you at the very part. end there, but I got almost all of that. It was amazing. Yeah, you guys, thank you so much for your contribution. That's spot on. That's just the advice I need right now. So, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask Hoshi about um, you recently received your black belt from uh, Tiago, yeah. you went over to Brazil which is amazing. Like I don't actually know anybody that's uh, had that experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was incredible. It was one of uh, my favourite things I've done in martial arts so far. I'm very fortunate that fighting and competing and and training and all this sort of stuff has taken me all over the world. So I've been able to, you know, travel to Singapore, Thailand, USA, like the different spots, but I had never been to the motherland of jiu-jitsu, you know. And so to be able to go there um, was incredible enough without it being, oh, you went there and you got to grade. It was like just the most incredible thing. Can I, I interrupt? Think- Did you know prior to going that that was the reason? Or I, I, I had a suspicion, yeah. We, okay. we, had a, we had a few discussions around grading to black belt and that sort of stuff in general and how it could be done, uh, mm-hmm. you know, since he left the country. I think there are a lot of people in Australia that are going to really miss his coaching. And I always saw my journey taking me. I have since being a blue belt um, trained under either Tiago or black belts of Tiago. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on my circumstances and how close I was to his gym and that sort of thing, 
it kind of changed whether or not I was able to train under him, you know, all the time or whether or not I would be training under one of his black belts. And so I always thought I would grade under him. Um, and it was kind of like this oof, moment, you know, when, when he moved back for his family and that, and so happy for him. He has such a beautiful setup in life there. It's, it's so gorgeous, but you know, for a selfish level, I was like, oh man, I really, I really wanted to receive my black belt from that man. Um, and so I started, I started planning trips to, to go and visit him and train with him, you know, um, because I still, I, I really felt that connection deeply. And for me, um, martial arts has always been more so about the people and the journey and the connections that you're building rather than just, um, you know, A to B, it's going to be a result, you know. So the experience of going to Brazil, was amazing. Um, the level of talent I was exposed to there was incredible. Um, such amazing training. He was able to take me around to a few different gyms and meet these amazing people. I was able to meet his coach and train with, um, you know, people that I'd heard about for years and years and years um, and finally be able to meet these guys and, and roll with them. And just, it was, it was so fantastic. And one thing that really stuck out to me um, was and has actually always stuck out to me if I go to the States and that sort of thing as well. But it was more so in Brazil that I saw this. Um, the amount of collaboration and learning happening uh, with black belts on the mat. So when a black belt was on the mat and they weren't teaching the class, they were there as a student of jiu-jitsu and they were there to continue their learning. And it was a beautiful thing because in Australia, um, since coming up, you know, black belts have been few and far between. And now it's, you know, it's evolving and sport is growing so rapidly but we've always just seen them as, oh, they're at, they either own the gym or they're at the head of the class and that's the only black belt in the room. And it's like, you know, you very rarely get that. There's lots of black belts. And when I was there, there were lots of black belts, not lots of black belts just around, lots of black belts there learning on the mat to train and to try and figure some new stuff out. And it was just a great thing to really highlight that um, point that so many black belts make, which is that, you know, the journey basically just continues as it did before. You're chasing this, um, this way of perfecting your fighting art without ever being able to reach the end because it's so evolving. Um, so it was, it was really beautiful. And the other really big kind of point of the training philosophy there was a lot of enjoyment. Um, here in a, in a few different spaces, I've seen people get really sucked into the grind of training and like, oh, I have to make it work. I have to get to my sessions, punch the clock in, out, on the mat, off the mat. And they just, they're kind of like, they're, they're working it like a job. And one way you have to, to get results, you have to do a lot of hours. But I was seeing guys that were very high level competitors, like top ranked in Brazil, go there with a lot of joy. And there was this energy on the mat that was like, we're here to learn and we're here to have a great time because this is what we love. And they were kind of like holding that true, which was, which was really beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Actually, that brings me to your gym because, you know, your gyms, you know, it creates fighting machines pretty much, right? <laughs> so, you know, for the most part. So what is the culture like in your gym? I mean, I've, I've, I've been to your new gym only once, actually. Had a monthly yeah. master's there a while back. Um, and I just thank you for having us there. But I got to say, it's an amazing setup. And but but I imagine that when people get there, they're there to work. So although you um, went there and discovered the culture overseas, and back here it's a bit more grindy. What do you got? What's what's it like in the in the King's Factory? In the King's Factory, it is amazing. It's upbeat. It's fun. Mm -hmm. All the guys that are there are there every day. 
they you have to lock the gym to get them out. You know what I mean? Like their motivation is not an issue. Like you said, we're building fighting machines, but I, I feel like that's the students' fault. They just want to be there and, and they're training hard all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like over nighttime, you're right. Like we get in there, we put in work, it's a beautiful space, but she gets steamy. It's like we're <laughs> gonna sweat until it drips off the walls. And that's like a nightclub in the eight in when I back in my nightclub in times. That's what that reminds me of. <laughs> Oh, uh, um, I've got a question for Amy. Sorry, sorry, go on. Go yeah, sure, sure. I know I was just going to say anyone that's um followed your Instagram accounts or whatever would straight away be struck by just your positivity. And I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you do it? Have you got any words of wisdom for our listeners about how you just stay so upbeat all the time? Like, how <laughs> how do you do it? Yeah, so I think like well, this is like a philosophy and we, we sort of, um, we talk about this a lot in the gym and I, I think that this is how we have such like hard workers too. Um, I think like self-care and positivity actually create resilience. It, it's really funny, like if you're positive and kind, sometimes people like have this assumption that that makes you softer or weaker and I've actually found the reverse to be true. So uh, for me, I think it's about, so like, you know that saying like the head moves the body so it's like your thinking and your mindset affects your actions so for me everything that you want to create in your life is going to come from the actions that you take and that's going to be directed by your thinking so I put a lot of emphasis and a lot of effort into like improving my mindset working with coaches um, challenging my negative thinking continuously trying to have more positive input into my life than negative input and I'm, I'm very I guard my sort of like mental health very seriously because I think that so often and it's really easy like you know we it's so easy to look at other people's lives and like have 2020 vision you're like if they could only believe in themselves they'd do so well um but to actually turn that inward and go you know why am I where I need to be? What, what's going on with me? And like, I think for me, I started before martial arts, like long distance running and I didn't really think I could do it. And I sort of over time, like sort of through getting better at running and achieving things I didn't think I could do, I could really see the connection between, you know, my, my mind and what I was able to sort of achieve. And that's been the same um, with business, with parenting, like, you know, buying a house, you know, with all the things that we've sort of, done and achieved have come from really cleaning up (laughs) really cleaning up your thinking a lot of the time and I think it's two things it's like not just about thinking positively it's also about challenging the stressful limiting beliefs that you sort of have because the the function of the brain is to think right so Mm -hmm. you have to be aware because you're going to be thinking all the time all day and it's either going to be derailing you or serving you I love that I would add to that it is infectious so you were asking about the environment in the gym before and having Amy on the mats it is absolutely infectious because it's not just positivity and people get more upbeat they do that's just like they're there to train they're so happy already but it's when those doubts creep in and you have those really rough nights on the mat and that sort of stuff it takes someone um, quite unique and quite special to be able to assist you to see the good in that session you Mm -hmm. just had the this beaten out of you for an hour and a half and it might not be very nice right but at the end of the day you need to be able to come back for your next session tomorrow so that you can continue that path of progression and getting better and so it, you need that culture and that environment that's not about crushing someone and bringing them down yeah. um 
it's a means of making them tougher. You need you need to be able to come back and do it again and again and again. Yeah. And that is one of the great things that Amy awesome. brings to the table. The rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, the, just on that, just one one other question, if that's okay. I, I think um, it flows on from that. I think we've asked this of other people, uh, other couples that we've had on in this situation. So do you guys kind of wear different hats? So when you're on the mat, you're there as a coach and a student sort of thing, and then when you go home, you're back to being partners or does it bleed into the, the home life? How, how does that go for you? I would, I would go so far as to say that anyone that says they can compartmentalise it completely is wrong. And <laughs> not all of them, but they're, they're talking an ideal. Um, yes. it's, it's possible to not because when you come home at the end of the day, let's say you have a partner that doesn't do jiu-jitsu or doesn't fight, and you tell them about your day and you tell them about the highs of your day and, and what, you know, you've experienced, probably training is going to find a way into that, you know, or things that you're thinking about, what you're wondering, what comps you might do or where you want to go or like, you know, what travel you want to take on. For us, it's all intertwined. So our personal passion, our work, our hobbies, our interests, like, and we just so happen to live with one another. So the conversation absolutely has to continue. Um, but in terms of the way we interact with one another and the way we are on the mats versus off the mats, quite similar. You know, we're friendly. I feel like it's nice, right? But at the end of the day, we're still there to get a job done. So there is an element of frankness that we both need in order to make that happen. Um so if there's something that Amy needs for her competition prep and needs out of her training, she needs to be able to tell me point blank. And sometimes it doesn't need, it, it needs to not have the frills in order to be getting across. And okay. vice versa. Well, if I need to um, get something out of her so that she can get the result that she ultimately wants, um, I need to be able to say that in a frank way and for the, you know, that to be be what it is in a coaching and, and student relationship, I guess. So true. That was really highlighted for me in that Rose Nama Eunice match recently, um, where her husband was um, cornering her and she just wasn't getting the information that she needed in order to win that fight, you know? And it's like he couldn't obviously he couldn't be frank with her. That's what that's what I'm that was my takeaway anyway from watching that. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but, you know, that's what I saw. Well, I think there's a common misconception that that frankness um, must be harsh and, and that, it, that, it's, that it's innately rude. I think mm -hmm. that my relationship with all my athletes and doesn't differ with Amy is that it's a collaborative approach. So mm -hmm. I need athlete to be on board with everything that we're trying to achieve. If yeah. they're not on board, they can't do the work, they can't follow the nutrition plan, they can't get a training. Like, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. So none of my teaching philosophy is actually going to help if it's yeah. falling on deaf ears and ones that aren't motivated to get the same result. So it must be a collaboration. Likewise, if I'm not listening to the athlete, right, and I'm trying to get them to do something that's just not aligned with their goals, it's not going to work for either of us. So, it, again, it's, it's just not going to work. So... Um, it has to be a co collaboration. So you have to both really, really be on board. And I think that that's probably one thing that I, I think we're fantastic at. So it's, it's great. It's, it really is a collaboration. And we're trying to always achieve an outcome together um, as opposed to me being like, I see everything that you're doing wrong. You have to do this. It's like, no, she's <laughs> like, Hey, you need some help working this out. And we have, we have to actually figure that out together. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, we only have two minutes left. Is that right, Kim and Hoshi and Amy? So Are you guys able to go a little bit over or you want to yeah, finish yeah, right off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
Right. Well, okay, we cool. always we always love to know um, how you found jujitsu. You know, because obviously it's my, it's primarily a jujitsu show. Although we love going down the path of other kind of you know um, grappling arts and yeah. But you know, how did you how did you come across jujitsu? You want to go first because I mean we met after we both were introduced to jujitsu, so we got different styles. I started with like um, judo with my dad when I was like younger, mm. and then I was doing like a lot of running. Like after I had my son, I wanted to get in really good shape, so I was doing like long distance running. I was doing half marathons, and then I was at that point of like, will I do a marathon or I was going to do like a half Ironman? But I was getting really bored <laughs> because the jump from doing a half marathon to a marathon is no joke. Like that is. That is like that is significantly more training volume per week. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to like run for a couple of hours, just like on a Wednesday. And then I was like, mm, I need something that you know is more exciting. And so I went, oh, I'll go, I'll go try judo again. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like I love this. I stepped on the mat, and this is when I was 19, and I was like, oh, this is my thing. And then from there, I found that so it was Japanese judo, then Japanese jiu-jitsu. Then I wanted to like compete. So then I started with MMA and I started like fighting MMA. And then from there, I was doing jujitsu and MMA at the same time, side by side. And that was, I was just kind of getting a bit medium at both. So I decided to pick a lane and emphasize and focus on jujitsu. So that's me. I just love it. Wow. I'm just, a, yeah, I loved it. loved it from like day one too. Like I yeah. stepped on the mat. I was like, it didn't take any convincing. I was just like, this is so much more fun than running. Yeah. Um, amazing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Awesome. And how Hoshi, how about you? Uh, well, I was introduced to martial arts when I was a baby. So dad was um, a karate instructor and ran a school in our local town. So I um, started training with him as soon as I could, as soon as I could coordinate um and I, I was very excited about that oh. yeah yeah so it was it was great fun. it was a great way to grow up and and fantastic in terms of like um having a bit of discipline and being able to focus um and coordinate my body and move and, and do everything that I needed to do in terms of striking but it was in no way grappling um as part of that program uh my dad actually is also a judo brown belt. He started with judo before he did karate. Um, and he was a competitor when he was younger and, and did that sort of journey. And so he taught a little bit of judo in our karate lessons and we tried to be a bit more well-rounded. So the maximum, you know, kind of, I knew about groundwork was, um, you know, I don't know, Taitoshi Osotogari, short arm bar, let's go, right? Um, so then I would just, uh, I did that. But when I got to 15, I was I was getting a bit, you know, energetic and and as some, you know, 17-year-olds do. Um, I, was, I was 15 when this happened and, and I, I started uh, wanting to fight. And so I found a local boxing promoter and asked him to fight and he suggested MMA to me. Um, they had like, uh, they, had, they had a judo club at the back of their boxing gym, like on the basketball courts. <laughs> <laughs> and I and and at the back there, there was just some some filthy MMA guys that were doing it, and they were like, there was a jiu-jitsu brown belt that was teaching, and so that was my introduction to jiu-jitsu. They were they were learning MMA on these judo mats from someone else's club, like they were just sort of teaching a little bit. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, so I jumped forward and and had my first fight at um at sixteen, and loved it, and just continued that journey and grappling as part of my MMA. Um, and I really I feel like it got a lot further along like I I did only grappling in terms of 
strictly for MMA or no gi stuff or, or wrestling and all that sort of thing. Even though I was learning from a jiu-jitsu coach, I didn't really put the gi on until I was, um, I was 18. Um, and then, yeah. And then I, then I started doing jujitsu properly and, uh, and, you know, I had my first professional MMA fight when I was 19. I got my, my blue belt when I was 19 as well. And that was my like push into jujitsu. And, uh, yeah. So amazing, man. You are now, now a black belt. And, and so what's next for you guys? Like, um, Anton mentioned that you've just recently opened up a new location for Kings. Is that mm. going to be your focus? Are you kind of looking at competing as well? And, and how about you, Amy? Like, I know you've been overseas a fair bit. Are you looking at doing that again? What's coming up? We've got, we got a few things on the docket, not going to lie. Um, we're we're going to be a bit, a bit tight-lipped about some of the things that we're looking to do um, because, uh, you know, we just, we just need to make sure that the announcements happen at the right time and that sort of stuff. But um, we have a really exciting 2023 planned. Um, for this year, I think in the last sort of, well, actually in the last 12 months from this weekend, um, Amy, like you said before, she, she had a baby in June of last year. And so we went back to uh, Worlds in December last year. We did Nationals when we came back, Central Coast Open. Um, we did Pan Packs. Oh, we did another Worlds and then we did Pan Packs. And so it's like, it's been a pretty busy schedule for the last 12 Amazing. months. Amazing. That, is, um, that so alone was... is a whole show, actually. Like, that's phenomenal, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, so it's been it's been super busy and the results have just been incredible. So, you know, we're looking forward to just enjoying Christmas with our family and, and taking some downtime rather than heading over to the States again for Nogi Worlds. Um, so this is probably the first time we've, we've been at home in that season for a really long time when we weren't having a baby or something, you know. Um, so it's, it's really cool that we're going to, going to spend the summer here. And then, um, yeah, I think we're, we're kind of eyeballing, there's a bit of, there's a bit of chatter that IBJJF is bringing back the Sydney Open, which is really exciting, uh, in terms of the, the local competitors for ranking and that sort of stuff. It's just super important. Um, so that would be great. And we're eyeballing, you know, Euros, Pan Ams, Worlds, the, the usual kind of circuit for jiu-jitsu. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Awesome. Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. So in that time, it was great. Like, Hoshi had um, the main event fight on Hex, and he also had, like, uh, his first, like, professional boxing fight. <laughs> so now he's like, yeah, it's, like, professional MMA fight, a karate black belt, jiu-jitsu black belt, now pro boxer. So it's wow. between us. Like, we do different things, but like my main goal will be uh gi worlds um and so we're basically going to be moving down to i'm going to be moving down to lightweight and we just have like sort of um a lot of competitions between now and then that we want to fit in as much as we can basically next year in the gi and then um yeah hoshi gets offered a lot of um boxing fights and mma fights and um so it'll be interesting because, you know, there's also some like really great jiu-jitsu comps and like now in the black belt, like I think that he would do very well. So we're we're very excited to um to to book a few things, but um yeah. That's it's awesome. like a very spicy year for us, I think. Well, well, watch this space by the sound yeah. of it. Yeah, what belt are you now, Daisy yeah. Amy? I haven't seen you in so long. But uh, what belt is, what belt is Amy? Amy is a purple belt. And yeah, she's a purple belt killer. A so, purple belt killer. I'll keep my eye out. <laughs> awesome. It's, awesome. It's some, some constraints in terms of um, grading and that sort of stuff that you have to adhere to with 
IBJJF and making sure that, you know, you're progressing um, with long enough intervals between your belts and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be doing doing lightweight gear worlds at Purple um, before starting to attack the other divisions, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Awesome. That's wow. good. I have a few months to get my head around, like, that next, um, like, rule set change. So sort of together we're already starting to sort of plan like um you know the like and and the stylistic changes that we need to make and we've sort of also brought into the gym like some snc we brought in an amazing strength coach myra white she came fifth at world second at nationals like she's wow. doing amazing. so we're looking at um really working with her a lot for us and our athletes too mm. see i know it's so exciting that's an exciting journey in terms of as coaches and athletes, I suppose. So it takes up, um, yeah, a fair bit of attention and that sort of stuff. We can't just, you know, zero in on it, on what what we're doing alone. We also have to consider the squad and what they're going to be taking on yeah. throughout the year. Um, yeah, where we're going to compete and, and what shows we're going to put them through and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's really cool. A couple of um, really uh, amazing uh, competitors um, a few a couple of amazing like female competitors coming up and um a few um mma and jiu-jitsu people that we're nurturing along so we also have their comps to kind of make sure that we want to be available for them too so it's awesome. a lot to calendar in do you guys find that like kim i know that you do coaching as well so like do, do you find like it, it a bit tricky to balance like that coaching and then your own personal goals as well a hundred percent yeah definitely most definitely so yeah we could have a whole other podcast on that and also about having a partner that also does train and fitting it yeah. in and all of that so 100 yeah. percent. so yeah. Yeah. you guys will have to come back you guys will have to come anyway. back especially after the worlds maybe maybe do that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so yeah we took a little while to get this happening so thank you guys for all your patience we uh had a bit of negotiating to find a mutually suitable time for all of us so thank you once again for giving up your time and making this happen we will have this episode out in a couple of weeks uh, if you could share it on your platforms that would be awesome for us to help to grow our audience mm-hmm. but um yeah we are nearly out of time so just want to say thank you once again and, thank you um, yeah. yeah thanks so much for having us on guys we really appreciate it awesome. yeah, welcome cheers. awesome we will cheers see you see yeah. you on the mats that'd be great cheers okay. see ya bye